Yes, indeed, we are anxiously awaiting your uh, home improvement type of questions, either by phone or by text, 651-461-9226 for either your phone call or your text messages for Andy Linus. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Denny. How are things at Linda's Construction, and how was your week? You know, it was a uh, it was a pretty good week. You know, uh, to be honest with you, I've uh, been out the last uh, couple of days. Got some carpal tunnel finally taken care of this, uh, oh, you this did. past Thursday. So, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good already. I might uh, might might try some yard work uh, today. I think I can run this Milwaukee pole saw with one hand. <laughs> right. They say, you know, I know it sounds like a plug, but they they do have some pretty good gear, don't they? Uh, they do, <laughs> and you know, and I, like I like everything, Denny. Um, if we talk about it, it's because we we use it on a regular right. basis, and and we have good results with it. I'd use any tool out there if I thought it made the job easier and it, it made us more efficient. The one why we why we go with Milwaukee is because of how innovative they've been the last couple of years, and. And, uh, you know, we used to, you know, spend a lot of time rolling up extension cords and looking for a place to plug in and, and looking for where the fuse box is because we blew fuses. And now with the Milwaukee generators and pretty much everything cordless, not a lot of cords getting drug out of our trucks nowadays. And I, uh, you're, you know, you're a young guy, but I bet even you have seen uh, since uh, you were a young fella in the construction business with your family, you've seen a lot of changes in tools. Over the years, yeah, in, in the last three, four years, even Denny, um, everything uh, seems to be getting lighter, better. The batteries are lasting longer, and and like I said, everything is is gone to cordless. Even some of our, what I would, uh, you know, classify as like light equipment, things like uh, jackhammers, generators, compressors, things like that, that are we're running with with batteries nowadays. Oh, that's true. And I I was looking at uh, this is several months ago now about. Uh, uh, a comparison between chainsaws, and these were um, battery-operated, and uh, they were saying, that particularly with this one brand, uh, that it's actually as powerful as gas. Now that's come a long way over the years. If you've got you know got tools that are you know as po- powered as as uh, corded ones or gasoline ones. Well, and, and, and from a, a keeping it in your truck and not having to deal with, yes, you still have to the bar oil that goes into those battery-operated chainsaws, but no more mixed gas. Don't have to worry about it spilling around the back of your truck. My my Milwaukee cordless chainsaw stays in my truck at all times. And and just the other day, there was a tree down across the road that I had to, t- had to take down and remove. So it was it's really slick. It took me all of 30 seconds. And I've used my battery-operated chainsaw to cut up a 100-year-old oak tree. Now, I went through a couple of batteries, and I did this on purpose because I wanted to see what it would be like compared to my gas-operated machines. And, and I was able to uh, chunk out this, uh, this old oak tree into the, the right size slabs before I could cut it up. And does that mean firewood for you or, or what? Uh, you know what? Right now it's, uh, it's sitting in like 8-foot uh, long logs, and I uh, plan on uh, getting. There's a there's a fella that will come out and bring a little mobile uh, sawmill to your house and actually slab them out, and then I, I plan on making something out of them. I don't know what yet, but uh, well, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm gonna slab out this old oak tree here sooner or later. You know, this is, you know, I'm third generation in this house. My kids are fourth generation, so I've done this with the old apple tree that my grandfather planted, and these old oaks. Uh, you know, they. Uh, not that you should get so attached to trees, but uh, they've been there my whole life. Yeah. 
Well, before you get to that, uh, you got you, you have yard work to do today with the one one hand. <laughs> one hand, yeah, what well, one-handed tree trimming? Um, I was, I was thinking. I know we're off on a tangent here a little bit, which is fine uh, about tools. But uh, what is used, and has it changed over the years as far as roofing? Uh, to, uh, we we know materials change, but as far as tools go, what are your crews using now that maybe they didn't uh, years ago? You know, some of the the tools that we use in the removal of shingles are going to be different. We have pneumatic cutters. You know, our shingles have gotten thicker and thicker and thicker over the years. So trying to cut them in a straight way and in a safe way with just your ordinary hook blade for a utility knife isn't, it's doable. But uh, these pneumatic cutters that run off our air hoses, which a lot of times our compressors are cordless now, so, Denny, when you look at a roof uh, maybe 20 years ago, you'd see a compressor up there and maybe one rope. Now everyone's harnessed off. So if you have extension cords, air hoses, everything like that that, that is running up there, there's a lot of trip hazards. So we've been trying to cut the cord as much as possible. As far as battery-operated roofing guns go, those haven't come uh, to the point yet where they're used on a regular basis, maybe for repairs, but the battery-operated compressors are getting used on a regular basis. Oh, that's great. Now, again, I always like to look at the forecast and ask you about uh, or mention, you know, about the weather, which is, you know, a, a, a huge uh, a point in, in your business. Mm-hmm. Uh what, what kind of jobs are still being done? I mean, it's going to be like 70-some degrees Monday and Tuesday. I know. We, we're, we're able to do everything right now. Uh, our, uh, our rule of thumb for, for everything in our office is if we can get to, especially roofing, if we can get to 40 degrees, we're, we're going to be installing it. If we still, still see 40-degree highs in, in the future, we can, we can pretty much do everything. Once it starts to get below 40 degrees for the high, we have to still see 40-degree highs in, in the future. We can, we can pretty much do everything. Once it starts to get below 40 degrees for the high, we have to kind of trim down on, on what type of roofing that we're going to be doing, but everything else, we, we, we should be able to get into December, we're hoping this year. Listener responding to our talk about the roofing, uh, is it always a good idea to, to not put shingles over the old roof is the question? Yes. And why is that? You know, uh, for what it costs to remove the shingles and for how important the underlayment is to the long longevity of the roofing, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. When you, when you look at the two different uh, costs, now if this is something that you're just looking to fix quick and, and be done with it, maybe I, w- I would think about doing it. But the analogy that we always use is you wouldn't paint a rusty car. You have no idea what's going on underneath that old roofing. And I can tell you this, when we know that about 90% of the roofing jobs, like 92% of the roofing jobs that we install, and and we have five, six crews going every day, Denny, and when over 90% of those roofs need some type of rot repair done to them, it really, really starts to make no sense to, to at least not take a look at what's going on with the decking. Well, that makes sense. It's that high a percentage of rotted uh, plywood or wood a decade. Yeah, we use at least one sheet on uh, at least ninety percent. You know, d- you know, some of it's just a, a little bit here, a little bit there, anywhere that there's a vent. You know, any type of condensation. A lot of times, uh, if it's just regular plywood, not OSB, you see some delaminating happening, which uh, we we try to take any of those delaminated boards out. So it's 
it's beginning, uh, and as you can imagine, when uh, OSB was at, at that 70 bucks a sheet, it got to be pretty expensive sometimes. And you, on occasion, have put your through, uh, foot through uh, some decking, have you not? Or somebody tried to cover up a vent hole or whatever? Yeah, even even roofs that are five years old because of new storm damage. You find out that the the, the last guy that roofed the job made of uh, cut some corners. So we find that on a pretty regular basis. All right, tell you what, let's take this break and invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have any kind of a project question, any kind of a home improvement question, it could be about decking, could be about roofing, whatever. Uh, call us or text us. Andy's ready, 651-461-9226. Uh, we'll take this break and get back with more of your questions here on the Home Improvement Show. 42 degrees now on our way to near 60. Stay with us. That's the number for either your phone call or your text message for Andy Lindis from uh, Lindis Construction. Any kind of a home improvement question, that's what we do this hour, the 9 o'clock hour every Saturday, thanks to Lindis Construction. Andy, I think uh, Diane is calling in from Roseville uh, this morning to ask you a question. Diane, good morning. You're on with Andy. Good morning. I am wondering um, what to put on to some fence posts tops they're actually the wooden caps and they're looking pretty raw and i don't really want to replace the caps i just want to you know put something painted or what could i use on top what uh what material is the cap made out of now wood and it's just a it's it's all just some some type of wood cap i you know any type of cedar type paint, any type of paint that you would use on the exterior of a, of a home should do. Now, you might have to prep the, that area, and I don't know if you're going to be painting the entire post, um, being that you don't want to replace those caps. Now, if you took measurements of the actual posts and, and you looked online, the replacement caps are actually really easy to install, and you can get them in a variety of different materials. We did some copper caps on, on, on posts the other day that, that turned out really nice. Might be something okay. worth taking a look into, and then you don't have to worry about painting them or refinishing them anytime, but that's, they, they're for any do-it-yourself are pretty easy to fix. Okay, and actually I have one more question. Yep. I have noticed in um, some houses, older homes usually, the basement ceilings are painted and it actually looks kind of nice. It brightens the place up. Is is there any certain sort of paint one should use for that? What type of ceiling? Are you talking about just painting the open rafter areas or yep. just like Yep. Yeah. Any any type of interior paint. So what I what I would do is if if you know the type of material that you're trying to paint, go to any place that you would buy paint. For me it's my local Ace Hardware store and talk to them and they'll have the best recommendation for you for the type of paint that you're type of area that you're going to be painting and pictures on your phone always help when you go into those areas well that's a good point yeah that the more information the better thanks dan i'm telling you the lady that works at uh, my local ace hardware runs the paint paint desk she knows as much about paint as as any human that I've talked to, and and and, <laughs> and that's saying something. So I uh, when it, when it when it when it comes to the experts, uh, Sherwin Williams is another good resource. I know our, our company we use them an awful lot. So those stores are are great to go into, and uh, you can get paint that can last a very long time nowadays. 
Now, you talked to Diane about uh, that cap. Now, exactly what what, what what was she trying to describe and, and trying to paint? And your suggestion was what for a, a like a, a newel post or what? What, what was, you know, was I, she... I'm, I'm thinking it's like a four by four cedar type post. And so, you know, they make the decorative caps that go over the top. Yeah. Of them. Oh, sure. And 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 that's what I was envisioning in my head, anyways. And that's why I went towards uh, the copper out because when we've done that, they've people seem to really really like them. And you can get uh, ones that have uh, solar lighting involved in them as well. They're not that expensive. I bet you that copper looked good too. On there. it does. It yeah. does. It does. All right. Here's uh, by the way. Here's our phone number and text number. The same number six five one four six one nine two two six. Any kind of a Home improvement question this morning for Andy. Here's one. Evidently, there's a big debate in the Homeowners Association. Uh, The question is, are architectural asphalt shingles as good as cedar shingles now? Are they safer? Are they preferred by insurers? How would you feel those questions, Andy? Um, Are architectural shingles better than cedar roofing right now? I would say yes. The the amount of maintenance that's done on cedar roofing, and then when you look at, not all architectural shingles are created equal. Uh, every brand of shingle manufacturer has a a heavier duty line of shingles. And when you go to one of those designer type line of shingles, like like GAF, the Grand Canyon, or our our Ultra Shingle, our Glenwood Shingle, you're going to have not only aesthetically a better look than what I think cedar is. You, you know, cedar is going to have a yearly or every other year type maintenance that needs to be done to it. And then you look at that it's a 50-year non-prorated warranty that's, uh, that covers every aspect of the roofing. It's really hard to choose cedar nowadays. So I don't think it's much of a debate, to be honest with you, Denny, on what type of materials better, cedar or asphalt shingles. The architectural shingles, when you choose a higher-end one, is going to be better in almost every aspect than cedar. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, again, here's our number. Walk on them? I'm have sorry. Tried to walk on a cedar roof. Like if you ever have to get up there, I mean, it is dangerous. I was going to say slick. that I haven't, but it sounds slippery. And you know, I remember one of the first jobs I was at. Uh, you know, I was just learning, and of course, one of the uh, the elder guys on the crew said, "Hey, be careful on this cedar roof. It is slippery. It doesn't look like it, but it, you will fall." Of course, all of us had to slip once. All these new guys on the job, there's three of us getting trained at the same time. Every one of us had to slip and find out for ourselves, yes, you must be careful on the cedar. Oh, wow. Well, we're all okay. Just little slips, Denny. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, Let's. I was going to mention another text here, and we'll get to that. But Beth, I believe, is just calling in from uh, St. Paul with a question. Beth, thank you. What's your question for Andy Lindis? Hi, good morning. Thank you, Andy. I am um, in a 1961 house that is extremely solid and well-built, but of course has the non-insulating doors. So I need to replace an exterior door. And um, I've measured everything with the frame and it's really square and solid. uh, But I know I would need to pull out the existing frame and put some insulation or insulating foam behind it. Um, so I'm wondering if your recommendation would be keep the frame that's there and just replace the door itself if it is really solid, or really we should just uh, order up a door with a frame with a built frame on it. So ordering the door that comes with the frame. 
Yeah. Um, if it was a newer frame and it was uh, something that maybe the door was damaged, I would maybe think about, say, you have a two-year-old door and the actual door got damaged. That would be the time that I reuse the frame. If you're replacing the door because it's an inferior door, I would probably look at replacing the frame. Remember, the, the, the frame of the window or door, either one that you're replacing, is usually going to be the place that you most address any water or air infiltration that's taking place. Now, it's, it's going to be a harder installation, and it's going to include trim work and, and things of that nature. But in the long run, you're going to be much, much better off. You know, you're not saving a lot of money when when you're hiring a professional. At least uh, the estimates that I get to see on a regular basis, when you look at an insert type door or or a a window versus a full frame replacement, I would I would ninety nine percent of the time full frame replacement is the best answer. Okay, it's more- wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the call. And that uh, line is open, or if you'd rather send a text to Andy as we head to this uh, break for weather, 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. Have just about another half hour for the Home Improvement Show. If you missed uh, getting your question answered the first half hour, still have time, so call or text as we head to this break. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Home Improvement Show. We are around every Saturday in the 9 o'clock hour, thanks to our friends at Lindis Construction. Andy Lindis, of course, answering your questions this morning. If you are in the middle of a project or maybe you just want to know what, what some answers here about what's going on at your house, your roof, your attic, your decking, whatever the case is, 651-461-9226 for either a phone call to Andy or a text message. Same number, 651 461 9226. Andy, here's a, a text. Interesting question. We were talking about roofing a couple of times this past half hour. Uh, this listener says, how does rainfall affect a roofing job once you have already started it? Uh, how long do you have to wait to let the exposed plywood dry out before you can uh, lay down your ice water barrier and shingles? How does uh, something like this affect your overall roofing uh, schedule, business schedule? So you want to grab those questions? Uh, yeah. Uh, step one, don't let the plywood get wet. If the plywood got wet, I'd worry about if the insulation got wet. If the insulation got wet, it needs to be replaced. Um, and you definitely need to let the plywood dry out before you put anything over the top of it. If we see rain in the forecast or rain's coming, we're going to take steps to waterproof the entire roof and wait for the rain to pass. Once the rain's gone, we'll continue on, on roofing. So uh, I wish I had a good answer for you on how long you should wait for it to dry out. The best advice I could probably give you is to inspect uh, the attic area, make sure there's no moisture in there that needs to be addressed, and then for like uh, 10 to $20 at any hardwood store or box store, you can get a moisture meter. It's got two little prongs. You can start to read the moisture levels uh, of the wood, and if you set it for the proper species of wood, you should know what the, the moisture content is, and then if you can continue roofing or not. You might have to run a dehumidifier, tarp off the roof, and get everything all dried out. But that's uh, something uh, that should be protected before the rain happens. That's the trick. Oh, don't don't the, let the wood get wet. 
is yeah. uh, is usually our rule of thumb. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Yep. Now, <laughs> if it's going to rain, don't roof. Uh, honestly, we see roof yeah. rain in the forecast. We've been blessed this year, Denny. It hasn't happened a lot, but roofing is one thing we don't do in the rain. Just just even if it looks like it's a uh, it could rain, typically we won't roof. Now, if you uh, if you or your crews are on the way, and uh, and you do look at the forecast, I know. Uh, and suddenly it, it's upon us, and you say you, you, you do something to protect uh, the roofing. What do you do? What do the, what do the crews do if there uh, is happen com- to yeah, be a combination air? of tarping? Sometimes we'll use a couple rolls of our, of our underlayment and cap nail everything. And if you do that in the proper way, you can usually create a, a barrier that, that, that's going to let the water sh- you know get off the roof and not get to the wood. So just got to be careful. And we do this more often than not with damaged roofs, Denny, because typically if we're roofing, it's not going to rain. <laughs> and so um, we're with uh, the technology we have nowadays, it's usually pretty easy to plan out your day with, with the rain and when it's going to happen. Again, 651-461-9226. Uh, texter says, any way to protect a fence post from rotting off? Treatment. Outside of a good oil-based stain, uh, yeah. when you're when you're putting it into the ground, so it doesn't end the proper wood. You know, if it's a treated wood or a cedar post, it, it should last a very long time in in the earth. But uh, yeah, and eventually the 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 moisture does get to them. But protecting it with a good oil-based stain is a, a good step on making it last longer. You know, this um, may not apply, but I remember it was about two years ago that uh, we had an original, which meant about 25, 30 years old, a mailbox in the post, which is rotted off. So Tony helped me, uh, got the post hole digger, got that out, got everything out, and uh, did the uh, quickcrete with a cedar post. But what I did before, and I don't know if this would apply to a fence post, suppose it could, I, I got a... Uh, a, a wood protector, so like the bottom 18 inches or so, maybe almost two feet, I completely painted this stuff on it and let it dry just to add maybe a couple of more years of longevity. I, like you said, cedar will last a long time, but I thought, I'm going to try this and then plopped it into the uh, concrete and uh, set up, and it's uh, it's mighty mighty sound, and I hope it'll last a long time. I'm not, I'm I'm not sure, sure people do that. That's uh that's one of the, the 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 beauty behind most of your home improvements, Danny. You take those extra steps. It's uh something like that. What did it take you? Maybe an extra hour, but you might get Not even fifteen that. years out of it. You know? Yeah, I bet that's true. Yeah, I hope I'm hoping anyway. All right. Well, again, here is our uh, number six five one four six one nine two two six. Let's see. Uh, Texter says this. I have an outdoor wood bench. Can I paint it with outdoor paint instead of staining it? I'm not sure what it was on it before. It hasn't been touched for 15 plus years, except that I sanded most of it, which is a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you recommend uh, if if he wants to paint it instead of staining it? What he sanded it, prime it, and paint it, right? Yeah, prime and paint it with an outdoor, a good outdoor paint. Um, you know, they make solid color stains too that might be worth looking into. Yeah, um, true. And and and. My 
might protect the wood a little bit longer. The, the, the paint will eventually start to flake off, and you'll have to repaint it. But if you, if you sand it, use a good brightener conditioner, then a good primer, and then a good outdoor paint, it, it should last a, a very long time. Do I, Tester, uh, Texter says this, do I need ice and water on a detached, unheated garage roof? Um, probably not, but I, I believe the code is written to be three feet past the interior wall. Now, depending on where this garage is hooking up to the house, you might want to think about the the sidewall. If it's two by four construction and sometimes it's going, you know, halfway up a wall, it can be some heat loss and some ice damming that can occur there. And that's one of those areas that we usually like to put our ice and water shield. And when you look at what ice and water shield costs, it's usually a good idea to put it in. Even in like uh, up the, the rake area, say the, 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 that's the peak area of the roof, is if it's facing the direction that a lot of the weather comes from, wind-driven rain, and I, I've, I've, I've got videos on our Facebook page of roofs that are three years old where I can take my hand and go all the way through the plywood with it, Denny, because that wasn't protected properly. When we do a roof, we're going to run ice and water shield 18 inches up the rake. So any type of wind-driven rain, it's going to have some type of drainage plane there where everything is attached. That that's, There's no way for water to actually get back to the wood in that area because the ice and water is sealed to our actual underlayment. So there's a drainage plane that lets all that water come down using gravity, never comes in contact with wood. You don't have to worry about the, r- the rake rotting out on you. No, and, and uh, talking about uh, going the extra mile, you and your crews always do that because it never, nothing it comes back to haunt you by cutting corners. That'll come back to haunt you, but, but not, uh, not when you do it right. Uh, Lois, I think Andy is calling in from Roseville uh, this morning. Lois, you are on CCO with Andy Lindis. Good morning. Good morning. You're our Saturday morning entertainment. Um, we <laughs> purchased this house in 1998, and 10 years ago we sanded it, sealed it, and it was gorgeous. It has sidewalls, but the wood has, um, I guess, deteriorated, my husband says. and But we used a wood um, putty stuff, and we worked real hard at filling the spots and sanding them. Mm-hmm. And Hirschfield said it's too late in the season to put a stain down. We do not want to put a paint down because of how hard we worked to get it off before. Um, I don't know if it's too late in the year to put a stain down, but uh, depending on the putty that you used, it's going to have to be a solid color more than likely. That, that putty is yes, going the to solid use. color. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, that's going to. I've seen people try to do that before, and you can polka dot your house when you use an opaque color after you've puttied in the the cracks. So, but I'm believe, concerned that it's gonna those exactly the polka dots. That I'm a, I'm concerned they're gonna show through. Yeah. But you can put on a darker stain. But I we don't want paint. And they Cabot has a product out now that is called a. That, but we think it's paint when we look at it. Yeah, you know, um, what I would uh, check out is Sickens or Penafin oil-based uh, stains, and they make some solid color stains Oh, can there. you tell and, my husband that? Yep. Just a minute. It's an yep. oil paste. Just a minute. Please, <laughs> yep. thank you, Andy. Yeah, no problem. Hi, Andy. Hey. 
Um, if I were you guys, I would go to like a, a hardware store. Um, your local Ace Hardwares typically have good Penafin and Sickens uh, selections. Talk to the paint person there and look at a good oil-based solid color stain. Now, I don't know if that's going to cover up the polka dots enough on your house. You might, you're going to get a test can and try that first, but with the way the weather's looking at right now, with highs in the 70s, I would, I would have no problem putting on a, a coat of stain this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, I tell you what, we have to take a break here, but I hope that helped. Yeah, I think uh, if you get to work uh, the next, well, two, two and a half days, there may be rain Wednesday, but tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, uh, some good good opportunity, good window of opportunity mm-hmm. for uh, that very project. All right, let's do this. We need to take a break, and we come back. We have more questions, more text questions we'll grab on. Uh, thanks uh, to our listeners, Andy. 651-461-9226. Back with more home improvement here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Home Improvement Show presented every Saturday on the 9 o'clock hour by our friends at Lindus Construction, L-I-N-D-U-S. You want to get in touch with those good folks, 1-800-LEAF-CARD, always the easiest number to remember. Our phone number, meanwhile, is our also our text number, 651-461-9226. Here's a nice one, Andy. It says, I had a uh, gable vent damaged in a recent storm allowing squirrels into the attic. I called Lindis on Tuesday. Person was here on Wednesday. Repairs were done on Friday. Thanks for the great service. That's always nice to hear, isn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, squirrels in the attic is something you're going to want to address uh, sooner oh, yeah. than later, Denny. Those things can cause some damage. Absolutely, absolutely sure. Um, let's see. Is it okay, Texter says, to just use the ice and water shield on a whole roof and no felt on the roof of a building 35 by 20? Instead of just the three-foot ice and water shield usually done. Another roofing question. Uh, I would be careful on that depending on how the roof is vented. Uh, you know, if it was a hot roof, I would say it was okay. But if it's a vented area, I think it's it's usually unnecessary. If you're doing it in lieu of better insulating and ventilating because of ice dams, I would do that route. You know, it's it's really tough. To build a boat up there and keep it waterproof with just ice and water shield, I don't think uh, you're you're. If that's the goal, I would uh, look at addressing the insulation first. Okay. This listener says, "I'm sure my problem is not unique. I have a nice basement in my 1950s Rambler, but the ductwork runs along the ceiling and means that anyone over six feet tall has to crouch in a large part of the room. What are possible options to resolve this?" Well, they make the, without redoing the ductwork, Denny, um, there are not a lot of options there. Um, you can get smaller ductwork. You can get it uh, where it can be rerouted up in the ceiling. But usually the those types of uh, uh, remodels go along with other types of remodels. Say you're remodeling the entire room, then a lot of times you can redo the, the HVAC system or put it in the smaller ductwork. But uh, outside of that and upgrading the furnace system maybe, it might entail all of that. It could mean new furnace, new new everything, and that can get pretty expensive. I've never worked with green-treated lumber myself as far as staining. Uh, this listener says, how, how long should you wait before staining 
green-treated t- uh, lumber, and what does the temperature need to be? Well, you can find that on the stain can. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think about waiting, the wait period? You know, um, I don't, you know, that, that, that green treat, if you wait a year, I wouldn't wait much more than that because it will start to crack a little bit. But even uh, it's just not designed to take stain. So no matter no matter the type of stain, even if it's designed for the green treat itself, Denny, is something that you you might end up doing on an annual basis. In fact, I think you're better off priming and painting that if you're doing it for aesthetic reasons because the wood itself is already protected. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this listener is looking to replace a front entry door. Uh, we would like, they say, wood, but the salesperson is pushing fiberglass. Will a wood entry door hold up to the elements, or do we need fiberglass? We have a standard overhang over the door. Uh, you know, uh, from uh, our value, from an insulation value, from a longevity value, I think the the fiberglass door is is going to beat the wood door. From aesthetics, it, it's tough to beat that that wood door. My personal favorite door, and and is going to be a stainable steel door. You know, believe it or not, they make steel that you can stain and make it look like wood. And for me, those are the doors that last the longest. Fiberglass doors are there. I, I just don't like fiberglass uh, from a, from an opening and closing standpoint. It's not as heavy as our steel door, so closing that, and especially if it's a tight opening, can sometimes be difficult. And I've noticed with uh, some of our clients that are are in uh, the retirement stage that that can be a difficult thing, opening and closing that door. I've had better luck with the steel doors on that, so it might be something to consider. Um, I, I'm looking at a couple of texts that someone is looking for the approximate cost of this project or that project. Uh, what would you say? Just have them call and set up a uh, an appointment with Linda's. That first visit is always free, right? Yeah, first visit's always free, and uh, especially when it comes to your home's exterior, roofing, siding, windows, decking, uh, gutters, things like that. We can usually get those estimates in your hands relatively quickly within uh, a week or so. Interior modeling might be a little bit longer lead time. Uh, I know our our design build team has been pretty busy, but usually within uh, two to three weeks, we we can work on those estimates as well. Okay, there was another question from a realtor. Uh, who has clients that need uh, estimates, and that would be the same answer for Yeah, that. same answer. Yep. Yeah, ex- excellent. Uh, this one, this listener says, how does each of those roofs you talked about where, uh, where against snow, against snow removal during the winter as far as where, where in tear with the roof rake? I'm not sure what there, if there's a typo here or two. Uh, of think, what they're trying to say. <laughs> Can you interpret that? I cannot. Yes. Uh, should you or should you not remove snow in the wintertime with a roof rake? Uh, it, it depends. If it's if you can get to the snow before it becomes an ice dam and you have a proper roof rake and you're being careful, I don't. I think you can do it in a way that it does not harm the roof. Now, if you're getting up there and, and you're trying to chisel out ice and beat on the roof, then don't. I, I would stay away from it. And if it's an area that's going to be any type of danger of slipping or falling off or it's hard to get to, I, I might stay away from that as well. But a proper roof rake can work if if you're doing it on a, on a on a pretty quick basis. Like when the snow happens, you're getting it off that area. It can help on on ice dams. It's not addressing the problem, which is insulation and ventilation typically, but it, it can make 
the the problem of an ice dam go away. Okay. Uh, we have, Texture says this, a two-year-old pre-treated lumber deck. Do you recommend sealing or treating it? And if so, what products should we use and when? That comes from Annie. Uh, Penofin makes a product specific for that cedar tone uh, pre-treated lumber. So I would uh, take a look at that one, and, and yes, I would recommend doing that. Okay, we've got uh, a little over two minutes to go on the show, Andy. Uh, interesting question here. And again, any cost uh, estimate uh, Lindis will do for you on that uh, first visit. But this question is, how hard is it to add a third stall garage to a double garage? Uh, depending on how your lot is and, and where the setbacks are, usually it's uh, not all that difficult. We probably look at this on a, on a monthly basis and do two or three a year, Denny where we're adding on a, a third stall or a workshop or even uh, sometimes expanding off the back of the garage. So it's uh, something that uh, we look at on, an, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, expenses can, can vary greatly. Again, uh, those estimates are free. We're glad to come out and put numbers to it. Uh, quickly, we've got another minute or so to go. Any recommendations for adding decks to an existing concrete apartment building? Is it possible is the question. Uh, uh, it should be possible. I would have to take a look at the building um, itself. And I don't know if uh, this is something that uh, where you, you just had a patio area before or or, or what. But uh, if you're looking You'd at that. You'd have to see it. You'd I'd have, have to, to see, see it. it. I don't yeah. know if you have a, a door that we would have to install in those walls. I don't know if the wall is what uh, the structure is, what the integrity is there. So I would have to take a look at the actual building itself. But typically, we can find a way to add a deck to most buildings. In less than a minute, Andy, what's going on at Lindis, and why should we call you and get some stuff done? What can we? What, what are you guys offering now? You know, this time of year, as our, as our temperatures are starting to dip, Denny, the, the best thing I can recommend is just have us come out and take a look at your house as a whole. All estimates are free. We have some deals going on right now on roofing, siding, and windows. But I think one of the coolest things we do is our heat map analysis. And what we're going to come out and use a variety of technology and tell you exactly what your house is doing, what the R values are, and what we could do to make it the most comfortable house it could be. And that's a free service right now, 1-800-LEAFGUARD or LindisConstruction.com. Oh, yeah, get that heat map analysis. You're going to love that and in, 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 in the results. Just just watching uh, you folks do that is, is interesting in itself, a show in itself. Andy, always a pleasure. Uh, have a good week, and I hope you guys get a lot, a lot of work done, and we'll uh, – I think uh, next week, I think we talk to Luke next week, do we not? I think you do. Yes, you I do. think we do. Well, you he- you heal up and uh, get that yard work done, and uh, we'll talk uh, decking with uh, Luke uh, next Saturday. Sounds great. Thanks, Danny. All right. Thank you. Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. Yeah, get in touch with those good folks. Again, the easiest number to remember is 1-800-LEAF-GUARD. Coming up next on CCO, Investing with Confidence, 42. 42-